So the big question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. And now for the review of the day. Got a five-star review from Eduardo87. He says, the real estate agent podcast to listen to. Five stars, amazing show. Definitely helping me a lot for my daily game plan. Thank you, five stars. Thank you, Eduardo. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast. So give me a one-star review if you want or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please, subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. All right, Rockstar Nation, I got a great guest coming out of Los Angeles, California, Mr. Moses Kagan. I don't know why I have trouble getting that out. Mr. Moses Kagan is on the line, and uh, we're going to get into some good, 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 good stuff today. So uh, without further ado, uh, Moses, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Uh, Thanks for having me, Pat. Hey, Moses, why don't you give us a little rundown, like who you are, a little five-minute or less, actually, bio on uh, what you do, who you are, so we can get to know you better. Sure. So uh, my name is Moses Kagan. Uh, I am the uh, co-founder and managing partner of Adaptive Realty. Uh, Adaptive Realty buys uh, and fixes up what I would call sub-institutional scale apartment buildings. So we're focused on the kind of deals that are anywhere from four to let's say 30 units. We only do Los Angeles and, and actually we only do about five neighborhoods in Los Angeles. We buy these buildings, we vacate them, we gut renovate them, uh, and we retenant them. And then interestingly, and this is, this is a pretty uh, large departure from the standard real estate private equity model, when we're done with these projects, we do not sell them. Instead, we refinance them using long-term bank loans, and uh, that allows us to distribute back to our investors sort of 85% to 100% of the capital invested, and then we hold these properties effectively forever. Yep. Okay. So buy and hold model forever and ever. So, and that's an, an, an awesome business model. And I'm, I'm a true believer. Uh, I practice what I preach as well. I have a lot of buy and hold properties. My question is, you know, large percentage of our audience is real estate agents, right? So, you know, how can you add value today, right? What, what, what advice can you give us that is going to make us more money as real estate agents listening? Well, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I started out as, a, as an agent and then a broker. And, and, and particularly uh, in the beginning when we were growing our asset management business, we started out with zero capital. And now we manage 100 million. But uh, you can imagine that uh, as we were uh, making our way from, from zero up to 100 million, that there wasn't a lot of cash flow. So to support ourselves, what we did was, was broker deals. And so, so unlike most people who are trying to grow a brokerage business, we did not focus on sales. Instead, we you focused mean you didn't on focus on listings. Exactly, exactly. Right. I should say we didn't. So, yeah, right. so you were so you were a broker and an agent for four years, and you only worked buyers. 
Is that that's right? What you're saying, and and I think that goes contrary to what a lot of people preach now, uh, which is you know uh, you know be a listing agent. Tell me tell me why you had that philosophy. Sure. Well, you know what? Honestly, uh, Pat, it 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 started out from laziness. <laughs> I did not want to make cold calls, and you know the truth is that when you talk to brokers who are successful, the truth is they're the guys who pound the phones. And, but I just didn't feel like I could do that. And so what I did was, and this is kind of a very non-traditional way of going about a brokerage career, but, um, but I'll, let me just spell it out for you. Okay, cool. No, I want to hear it because we always cool. like to hear different, different ways that people get business and, and do business. Absolutely. So the first thing I did was uh, I started a blog. It's called kagansblog.com. It's still out there. And on that blog, I started writing every single weekday about the business of buying, uh, renovating, and selling apartment buildings. Hmm. And I had done, sorry, go ahead, Pat. No, that's good. Okay. Yeah, so cool. that was your blog, even though you're trying to make commissions from buyers. Absolutely. But, but you were after what kind of buyers? Well, I was after buyer leads. So the, the idea is there are a lot of people who are looking to buy stuff. And their first step is they go on the internet and they start searching around for information about how you go about buying an apartment building. Now, again, I should specify that I did a few houses, but by and large, this was a brokerage of uh, two to four unit apartment buildings. Yeah. And two to four unit, I mean, you're talking to duplex, fourplex, everybody has those, right? And it doesn't matter what town you're in, there's always going to be houses that are, you know, Zoned Absolutely. or not zoned, you know, if we, with a couple of apartments. So you were really, you know, selling residential single family, but it, it just happened to come in, in, you know, two to four units. And, and, and that's the type of shit that I used to buy when I first started getting to investments, duplexes, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Long, and, right? and I'll tell you why those, those kind of properties are so great. You can still get 30-year fixed rate financing on them. Yeah, right. That's the brilliant part, you know? Right. And even, I mean, even FHA too, um, you know, so put, being able to put down 3.5%. So there are a ton of people who, you know, ra- instead of buying their first house, instead get the idea and i was one of these people that instead of buying your first house go buy yourself a fourplex live in one of the units and collect the rent on the other ones i bought i bought a, a duplex for myself lived in the top rented the bottom and then i wasn't married at the time i uh, it was my girlfriend i had her buy an fha loan she, she yep. didn't make it she didn't make enough money but we we kind of well, we did some things. It was really my money that she was using. And, and then, you know, we did get married. So when we got married, we had two duplexes, yep. uh, both with FHA loans, both with three and a half percent down. It's fantastic. It's the best leverage you can get. It's unbelievable. And, and I have some crazy stories about clients who ended up making, you know, three, four hundred percent on properties by buying FHA and then fixing them up a bit and then flipping them a year or two later. You know, that's a, that's yeah, a tried yeah. and true model right there. Right. Okay. So, so kind of house hacking. So yeah, you, were, exactly. you were selling to house hackers, you were selling to new investors, uh, yeah. that sort of thing. So let's say that people, someone driving down the road right now in Tupelo, Mississippi is listening to this, they're a real estate agent and they're saying, you know what? I want to sell to house hackers. I want to sell because, because dude, there is so many people out there that want to invest in real estate now. Yeah. It's unreal. And, yep. and so, so it's a definitely a market to tap into. So if someone in Tupelo is saying, I want to start selling to investors that are want to get in the game, 
or want to house hack or just want to own two or three rentals and want to do it on a 30-year fixed mortgage that, that holds a low rate forever and ever and ever. And trust me, guys, if you can hold a low rate now for 30 years, you are going to thank yourself. You're going to be happy. Many times before you die. So anyway, so give us some advice. Give us some like how to, sure. how you would start a business like the business you started selling as a buyer agent to first-time investors. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of things. And, and let me tell you, so can, the conventional wisdom is you don't work with buyers for two reasons. One is that you're going to end up spending your weekends driving people around open houses, you know, all weekend, five, 10 open houses a day. And then you're going to make a bunch of offers and those offers are not going to get accepted and you're going to have wasted a bunch of time. That's like, that's like the classic reason not to work with buyers. So that is not actually true for investment properties. And let me explain why. The first thing is with inve investment properties are driven by the numbers. In other words, it's not about walking someone into a property and being like, and, and sort of explaining to them the feng shui or getting them to fall in love with some accent wall or something. By and large, investors are, are focused on the numbers. So they don't need to drive around to 50 different open houses on a weekend. They want to see a model that shows them what the numbers are going to be. And if the numbers are attractive, and obviously if they like the neighborhood and the house, eventually you're going to inspect it and make sure that there's nothing terribly wrong with it. But you don't need to drive around. You can pitch deals from just that you can find on, on the MLS sitting at your desk. You can throw them into a little model and we can talk about that a little bit later and then pitch them to your investors and they can say yes and write an offer without even seeing the property. So that is, that, that, that's the first thing. And so what I did- It's ease. It's more like, um, it's a, more like a commercial transaction. It's more logical. Exactly. Right? It's, uh, exactly. It's easier to You're not submit. To emotions. And you know, here's the thing, uh, Moses. I had, I've had two people on uh, recently. One was a, a, a woman with a company called Shelter Zoom, which is a, a button that is put in, uh, on uh, websites of people that basically- allows them to submit directly to the seller a letter of mm -hmm. intent. And, and then recently on my new show, we were talking about a Rex Realty, R-E-X, which is a company that is trying to disrupt the real estate commission and, and not pay buyer agents. But their whole concept is, you know, they will put the listing online for everybody to see, but then they'll have a button. They have a button that where you could submit a modified offer, which is a letter of intent, just like in commercial real estate, uh, that just allows you to submit a letter of intent. And I think a lot of agents out there in the residential business, you know, they want you to fill out like a 45-page contract. They want you to sign all these addendums and go through all this headache, you know, just to make a low-ball offer. And on one hand, it dissuades buyers from making lowballs because it's a pain in the ass. It dissuades agents from writing lowballs because it's a pain in the ass. But, you know, is it true? You know, is it really fair? And, and is, is how does everyone know whether the seller would take it or not? And I think what you're saying is your, your philosophy was, you know, just, you know, submit offers like many investors as much as you can w without actually showing property and without actually sitting down and filling out massive offers and stuff, right? Well, you know, I think one of the things that, that, that we definitely had that problem when I first started. You know, in, the, in, in California, uh, a typical offer is maybe 30 pages and there's a ton, of, a ton of complexity in getting your buyer to understand it. But one of the benefits of working with investment buyers is that typically speaking, you're talking about people who are reasonably smart 
and reasonably numerate. And so what I found was you kind of, you could explain the contract to them once and then you don't have to explain it again. Right. So you, you, you put in the work up front the first time you're going to write an offer, you explain it. And then, and then that one, you know, 15 minute, 20 minute conversation about how the offer works pretty much does you for the rest of the time you're working with them. The other thing to say is when I first started, there were, uh, there, you used to have to sign these things and scan them. So, I mean, it was really painful. Now, as you know, you know, there are plenty of, uh, of systems for, for signing things online. So once you've got the trust of the buyer and they understand the contract, getting them to DocuSign an offer is really not that big a deal. It's just opening up an email and clicking a bunch of buttons. You know, maybe it takes them three, four minutes. So I think that that's radically reduced the difficulty. Yeah, and, and, you, and, if, and if you're working with them on multiple offers, you're just, all you're doing is changing the address and the price. Exactly. That's, ex- that, that's exactly right. Yeah. And that makes it a lot more easier to work and it hopefully keeps you from working weekends and nights and all that stuff. Similar, quite frankly, to a commercial agent. Yeah, exactly. What I was doing was basically tr- was, was, was recognizing that there is a set of buyers who kind of act like mini or amateur commercial buyers. They're not rich or experienced enough to buy a $5 million apartment building, but it's basically the same principles, the same understanding of cash flow and value creation and all the good stuff that you, that you, that you get from commercial clients, um, but, but kind of scaled down into a residential world where there's a lot of transactions and it's relatively straightforward and easy and people can get, you know, FHA loans or at least Fannie Mae backed loans that allow them to get really great leverage. And, and how did that help you to uh, start the company that you have now? Yeah. So, I mean, we were buying stuff for ourselves. Well, I should say on, on behalf of our investors. But as I said before, we didn't have enough capital to, to generate enough fees and cash flow from the deals that we were doing uh, to support us and to support our organization. So for, to, in order to bridge the gap from zero assets under management where we started out until, you know, when we got to a, a large enough asset pool that we could, that we could just focus on the investment business, we needed to, we needed to bring in cash. And so uh, brokering these investment properties was a, was a great way of, of, of but there was a byproduct. What I was getting at was a byproduct in that you, in that you learned a lot of Basically you learned how to do the math, right? right. So you could do it yourself. That's exactly right. And, um, you know, you and I were talking about this offline before. The, um, one of the beautiful things about, uh, about structuring your business in the way that I'm describing is that it gives you a real education in doing deals. Let me explain what I mean by that. When you are a listing agent, uh, your job is to sell property. And so you are going to do whatever it takes, obviously within laws and ethics to get that property sold. You're going to make it look great. You're going to puff like crazy. The pictures are going to be good. You're going to do whatever it takes to get that thing sold and get your commission. When you're representing buyers, it's very different, uh, at least investment buyers. So investment buyers are really concerned about making sure the numbers work and making sure they know what they're buying so that there aren't any surprises. Right. Basically making sure they get a good deal so that if the market does turn, it, they don't lose their ass, right? They're, they're basically concerned about the economics of the deal, not just of, for today, but for you know, years and years in the future. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. You're, I mean, uh, your investment buyers are typically going to be focused on cash flow. You know, both today when they buy the property, and then over the coming years as they fix it up and hopefully raise rents and 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 move forward. And so, and so you'll be able to learn. You know, if you write twenty of these deals, is what Moses is saying. If you write twenty of these deals, you will know good enough to that to make sure that when you buy your first investment or you start buying investments that you're going to do it right and, and, and get great deals. Yeah. I mean, so th- th- I, that's exactly the point. So when you're, when you're, when you're representing buyers of, uh, of these two to four unit apartment buildings, what you're doing is you're building a model, right? And you're saying, look, if we buy the property for this price and assuming that these are the rents that the seller's telling us and that the seller's not lying to us and these are the expenses, then here's the cash flow you're going to be able to get. Okay. But then once you go into contract to buy the property, your job as the agent representing the buyer is to make sure that those, the numbers in that model are actually true. In other words, like the whole model breaks down if someone has to spend 20 grand fixing a roof that they didn't, have to, that they didn't think that they were going to have to fix. Or um, if it turns out that the rents that the seller told you aren't true or that the water bill is actually three times what uh, you thought it was before you bought the deal. So the, the, the game when you're a buyer's agent is one, building this model and convincing your client that the numbers are attractive enough to that they sh- should want to do the deal. But then two, once you get into contract on the deal, doing the, let's say, let's call it detective work, the due diligence that's required to make sure that those numbers are actually true. And it's that process, it's getting good at that understanding where sellers lie or where the sellers just don't have the information, understanding what kinds of uh, physical problems can emerge with a building, understanding how the financing works, understanding rent, you know, what, what fair market rents are in that neighborhood. So therefore what you can raise the rents to all of those skills are ones that you hone working with buyers. But those are exactly the skills that you will need when you go off and start trying to do your own deals. Okay, so, and, and, and those are, are great skills to learn. What, what tools do you know of today, like uh, websites you could recommend, apps that you could recommend for an agent or for a investor buyer who's beginning to find out things like the rents and, and you know, sure. values and, and sure. Mortgage, well, look, all that uh, stuff. look, I mean, the, the, the main, the, the main things you're going to want to focus on obviously are your MLS or the equivalent, right? Cause you need a, you basically need a pool of deals to be looking at. And another incredibly important tool. And I still, it's funny, I'm sitting at a desk here and I'm looking at the computer and the tabs are open in front of me and I'm looking at it right now. Another incredibly important tool is Craigslist. And um, it's really simple why. Because you're trying to understand a big part of whether you should do a deal or not depends on, you know, obviously what the rents are you can get uh, once you've bought the building, right? You're hoping to buy something cheap because the rents are low and then hopefully you're going to raise the rents to market or maybe even a little past market if you're really good. And that's going to increase your cash flow and make it a good deal as opposed to a bad one. So the question is, how do you know uh, what market rents are. And the answer is, it's as stupid and easy as looking at Craigslist. And re- I used to, I spent hours and hours uh, when we first got started, going through Craigslist and making spreadsheets where I would just literally for each listing on Craigslist for an apartment for rent, I would break down, you know, where it was, uh, how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, parking. So that, that many people apartment. advertise rentals on Craigslist. 
Oh yeah, in Los Angeles, uh, if you're renting apartments, I mean, you get ninety percent of your inquiries just from Craigslist. Jeez, I had no clue, but I didn't know that. Oh yeah, absolutely, and and that's that's free information. Now you got to be careful because remember that Craigslist is asking rents, right? Like, so people can ask for whatever they want, and they're not necessarily going to get it. So you need to be a little careful that when you're looking at all these listings, that you're making sure that 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 you're not being overly swayed by one or two outliers where someone is just asking for a crazy rent and they're never going to get it. But if you really study, so, so just going back to the tools, the two most important sources of information, I would say, for someone rep- representing buyers or looking to buy their own deals are one, the MLS, which has all of the deals which are available in the area that you're looking for. And two, Craigslist, which tells you what those things can rent for once you buy them. Amazing read for agents who want to blow their business up. Six steps to seven figures was an amazing read. Pat breaks it down into simple, actionable steps that have taken will almost guarantee seven figure success in the real estate sales business. Couldn't recommend this enough. Wow. Thank you for the awesome Amazon review, Garo215. Now, do you want to get your hands on this book for free and blow your business up? Here's how. Go to freesixstepsbook.com. That's free, S-I-X, stepsbook.com right now. Or simply text the word PAT to 444-999. That's text PAT to 444-999 and I'll send you a free book. Truth be told, MLS for uh, investment properties is pretty dead right now. I mean, it's it's okay, but it's almost a guarantee you're going to overpay. So I don't know if I'd give that advice. I mean, I think you're you're better off, you know, doing something like uh, finding absentee owners, finding leases that are about to expire, and the landlords might not want to be in the business of owning a rental anymore. That sort of. Generally, by the time shit hits the MLS, it's it's already overpriced or by the time it you know gets in a bidding war it'll be overpriced from an investment meaning your numbers aren't going to work you know what i mean your numbers that you look i definitely hear you and and obviously the best deals i've ever done in my life are ones that are off market but uh i have renovated 80 apartment buildings in los angeles over the last 10 years and i would say more than half of them were bought just straight up public market. I mean, obviously for our bigger deals, it's more like LoopNet and CoStar as opposed to the MLS. Right. But, but, but more than half the deals, I'd say significantly more than half the deals that we've ever bought are ones where that were publicly available that anyone could have bought. Now, I, I will say that we have developed certain advantages that allow us to jump on a deal when it comes public, becomes publicly available and probably get it before someone who's not at, who doesn't have those advantages. You know, with our business, we're offering cash. We're closing really quickly. We're intending to do massive renovations. So we're a little bit different from a standard buyer. But even, even without that, even when we, were, when we were brokering deal, when I was brokering deals for clients who didn't have those advantages, in a, in a sufficiently large and active market, and I, I can't really speak to you know, a, a third tier city or a small town or something, but in a sufficiently large and active market, Los Angeles being, being the example that I know best, 
there are still plenty of properties which are being represented by listing brokers who, for one reason or another, do not understand what they're selling. And there are properties owned by sellers who have mismanaged their properties. And so even if you know what you're looking for, and it, it, it takes a lot of studies, it's not the kind of thing that you can, you know, you start looking and you know that day you're going to find a deal. No, you, you really need to become an expert by looking at hundreds and hundreds of deals. But once you have done that, you will see that even on the public markets, that stuff that's publicly available, sometimes even stuff that's been available for weeks or months, that there are opportunities to buy and really add a lot of value. Okay, great. Yeah, well, that's good to know, you know, I mean, and, 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 and quite frankly, you know, again, even if they are overpriced or they're not going to meet the numbers, the more that you do and the more that you look at and try to fit into, you know, whether this return is good, the, the better practice you get. And, and put it this way, Moses got enough practice that, made, that allowed him to open his own company where he did it with, a, with you know, 100 million in, in apartments and he started out by doing duplex at a time. So, and I know I used to uh, sit there, I used to have a little three ring binder book and I used to just, you know, figure out cash on cash of, uh, you know, if I put, uh, you know, $10,000 in cash, how much cash would I get back that first year? That's what we call cash on cash. What my cash on cash percentage was for each of these duplexes, fourplexes, whatever, and if 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 it if it didn't meet what I was looking for, then I would I would still keep the piece of paper in there, yep. and uh, that would be practice. And the, and the more of these practices you can do, whether they're for yourself or for somebody else, the the better you're going to get, and the better investor you'll become. And I think that's pretty much the theme here. Pat, I, w- I want to just echo that and emphasize it. I think that's, it's, it's funny. You said you did it with a three ring binder. I did it uh, with Google Docs, like basically an Excel spreadsheet, but it's exactly the same thinking. It's because when you're looking at deals, right, it, it's really hard for whether you're doing it with your own money or whether you're trying to help someone else do it with their money. It takes a lot of confidence. You have to you're seeing all these deals and most of them, as you said before, are going to be terrible. So when you find one that looks like it's good, it takes a lot of confidence. You have to, you have to be able to know when, when it looks good to you that it actually is good. And the only way that you get that level of confidence is by looking at tons of deals. It's like, um, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but that movie, The Matrix, mm-hmm. it's like, if you watch, if you look at enough deals, it's like suddenly you see the matrix. You suddenly, you, 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 you suddenly see patterns. And then when a deal pops up that doesn't fit the normal pattern, where it's, it's just the pricing is off. Like it, you look at it and you're like, I've looked at a hundred deals in this neighborhood and they all are kind of crappy and they're all like this. And then this one over here pops up and it doesn't feel like that, you have the confidence to know, hey, that is really a good deal. Let me jump on that. Or let me, and let me call my investor list and get somebody to buy it because I believe Yeah, it. that's right. Yeah, that, yeah. That, That's exactly right. Yeah, that's awesome. Good stuff. Okay, guys. So, hybendigital.com backslash Moses Kagan. That's hybendigital.com backslash Moses Kagan, K-A-G-A-N. Hey. 
A A N. Very good. Two A's. K A G A N. That's Moses Kagan. Moses, this has been a blast, buddy. If I am ever in Los Angeles, California, I will uh, definitely look you up and uh, you can tour me through some of your apartment buildings and uh, we can break some bread afterwards. That sounds awesome. And uh, best of luck to everyone out there uh, hustling in this business. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger. Yes, the one finger that points at people and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on a million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show and we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs> <laughs>